Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... The Three Snake Leaves! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! There was once on a time a poor man who could no longer support his only son. Then said the son, Dear father, things go so badly with us that I am a burden to you. I would rather go away and see how I can earn my bread. So the father gave him his blessing, and with great sorrow they parted. Oh, sad. That's a bit sad at the beginning. Pretty heavy, yep. Mm. But at this time, the king of a mighty empire was at war, and the youth entered his service, and with him went out to fight. Wow, that escalated quickly. He signed up. <laughs> he's, he's, he joined yeah. the army. <laughs> the At king the, of a major empire. Major empire. <laughs> Mighty empire. Oh, sorry. And so he's, he's at war now. And when he came before the enemy, there was a battle and great danger. And it rained shot until his comrades fell on all sides. And when the leader was also killed and those left were about to take flight, the youth stepped forth spoke boldly to them and cried, We will not let our fatherland be ruined! Whoa! It's Braveheart over here. <laughs> the, the, the others, they followed him into battle and he pressed on and conquered the enemy. Now when the king heard that he owed victory what, to wait, him alone... I thought he was dead. Oh no, the leader, what? like the general or something, died. Yeah. Not the king. Oh, you thought the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, got you. And when the king heard that he owed victory to him alone... He raised him above all others, gave him great treasures, and made him first in the kingdom. The end. Of part one. Oh, oh that's a twist. That's a little twist. What does that mean? He's the first. He's the first. He's number one in the kingdom. <laughs> Are they ranked? <laughs> They're all ranked. He's moved up in the rankings. <laughs> to number one. To number one. That's pretty good. War's over. If you want it. John Lennon. The, king, the king's raised the, the poor youth to number one and given him great treasure. Now, part two. I mean, it's not actually divided into parts. Oh, is it not? You've, you've arbitrarily decided yeah. that. The king had a daughter who was very beautiful. Of course he did. But she was also very strange. <laughs> She's a bit kooky. <laughs> Shamanic pixie dream girl. <laughs> she'd made... No, I'll tell you why she was strange. Because she'd made a vow to take no one as her lord and husband who did not promise to let himself be buried alive with her if she died first. Whoa. If he Stay loves me, well away, guys. <laughs> well, if he loves me with all his heart, what use will life be to him afterwards, said she. Oh. I think she's got a point. I mean, that is a pretty big red flag right there. <laughs> that is. But on her side, she'd do the same. And if he died first, she'd go down to the grave with him. So it's fair. Okay, she's prepared to make that bargain. Yeah. So, right, but okay. are you? <laughs> no, no way. Now, well... You're not alone there, Adam, because this strange oath had up to this time frightened away all wooers. Yeah. But the youth became so charmed with her beauty that he cared for nothing, and he asked the father for her. So, <laughs> Can I have her, please? <laughs> but do you know what you must promise? said the king. <laughs> I must be buried alive with her, he replied, if I outlive her. But my love is so great that I do not mind the danger. And then the king consented, and the wedding was solemnized with great splendor. Solemnized? Solemnized. Don't get that word. Yeah, I, I heard something different the first time. That was a strange wedding. 
<laughs> okay, why is it solemn? A solemn it's wedding? very serious. Yeah, so this is no laughing matter. Yeah, but they're married and they lived for a while happy and contented with each other. And then it befell mm-hmm. that the young queen was attacked by a severe illness. Oh no. And no physician could save her. Oh. Uh-oh. And as she lay there dead, the young king <laughs> ran. <laughs> that is no way to break the news. <laughs> As she lay there dead, he's thinking, how am I going to get out of this one? (laughs) Wow. And as she lay there dead, the young king remembered what he had been obliged to promise. And he was horrified at having to lie down alive in the grave. As you would. But there was no escape. So yeah, he thought, what have I done? What was I thinking? But there was no escape because the king had placed sentries at all the gates and it was not possible to avoid his fate. Oh no. Now when the day came that the corpse was to be buried... He was taken down into the royal vault with it, and then the door was shut and bolted. He's now been buried alive. Wait, buried or locked in a room? Yeah, locked in a room. Yeah, it's not quite buried alive, is no, it? No, but it's pretty bad. It is bad. Now, near the coffin stood a table on which were four candles, four loaves of bread, and four bottles of wine. What, why? Just to give him something to do. <laughs> While he's buried alive. And when this provision came to an end, he would have to die of hunger. And now he sat there full of pain and grief, and he ate every day only a little piece of bread and drank only a mouthful of wine. But nevertheless, he saw death daily drawing nearer. Now at one point, while he thus gazed before him, he saw a snake creep out of a corner of the vault and approach the dead body of his wife. And as he thought it came to gnaw at it, he drew his sword and said, As long as I live, you shall not touch her! And he hewed the snake in three pieces. (gasps) After a little time, a second snake crept out of the hole. And when it saw the other snake lying dead and cut in pieces, it went back. But it soon came back again with three green leaves in its mouth. Mm-hmm. Then it took the three pieces of the snake and laid them together as they ought to go and placed one of the leaves on each wound. Immediately, the severed parts joined themselves together. The snake moved and became alive and both of them hastened away together. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, that also, well... I've noticed a flaw with that. I don't know if you've... Uh, three leaves. Three leaves, two wounds. Yeah. Doesn't add up, does it? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The story has fallen apart. <laughs> I've cracked the case. Is that going to be explained or...? Nope. <laughs> okay, good. The leaves were left lying on the ground, and a desire came into the mind of the unhappy man who had been watching all of this to know if the wondrous power of the leaves, which had brought the snake to life, could not likewise be of service to a human being. Ooh. So he picked up the leaves and laid one of them on the mouth of his dead wife and the two others on her eyes. And hardly had he done this than the blood stirred in her veins, rose into her pale face and coloured it again. Then she drew breath, opened her eyes and said, God, where am I? You are with me, dear wife, he answered. And he told her how everything had happened and how he had brought her back to life again. Then he gave her some wine and bread. And when she had regained her strength, he raised her up and they went to the door and knocked and called so loudly that the sentries heard it and told the king. The king came down himself. What's all this racket? And he opened the door. Dressing gown. And there he found both strong and well and rejoiced with them that now all sorrow was over. The end. Of part two. Oh, you are kidding me. It's not over yet, buddy. Oh, this is epic. Part three. So they're all alive and well, and everything's back to normal. It's wonderful. The young king, however, on leaving the vault, took the three snake leaves with him, and he gave them to a servant and said, Keep them for me carefully, and carry them constantly about you. Who knows in what trouble they may yet be of service to us. Mm, okay. 
So it's all back to normal. Yeah. Back to their previous life. Yeah. With some serious trauma. <laughs> However, a change had taken place in his wife. After she had been restored to life, it seemed as if all love for her husband had gone out of her heart. Oh, no. After some time, when uh, the young king, the young man, her husband, wanted to make a voyage over the sea to visit his old father, and they'd gone on board a ship, she forgot the great love and fidelity with which he had shown her, and which had been the means of rescuing her from death, and she conceived a wicked inclination for the skipper of the ship. She, she conceived a wicked inclination for another man. Uh, she wanted the skipper. Yeah. She wanted him. Right. Yeah, it's a little bit of coding in there. I see. I wasn't sure if the, the her husband was the skipper. He's not, is he? No, no. This is another bloke, and she, yeah, yeah. she quite likes to look at No, him. the husband is number one in the kingdom. Oh, he's number one. Sorry, the skipper's, the skipper's only like 10,450th. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a coded euphemism, I think, for... Yeah. Having an extramarital mm. conquest. Nice. So at, some, at one point when they're on the ship and the young king lay there asleep, so her husband, yeah. she called in the skipper and uh, she seized her husband by the head and the skipper took him by the feet and thus they threw him down into the sea, in the middle of the sea. Wow. And when the shameful deed was done, she said, Now let us return home and say that he died on the way. I will extol and praise you so to my father that he will marry me to you. And make you the heir to his crown. Whew, nasty. But the faithful servant who had seen all that they did, unseen by them, unfastened a little boat from the ship, got into it, sailed after his master, and let the traitors go on their way. He found his uh, master, like, floating in the sea. Nice. And he fished up the dead body, and by the help of the three snake leaves, which he carried about with him at all times, he laid them on the eyes and mouth of his master and yeah. fortunately brought the young king back to life. Oh, wow. Whew. Epic. Yeah. I wonder now, why the eyes and the mouth. Obviously, yeah, it not just sure. works. They just, just know what to do with them. It does the trick. It does the trick. Why, why mess with that? Now, they both rowed with all their strength day and night <laughs> and the little boat flew so swiftly that they, re- <laughs> that they reached the old king before the others did. Zoom. So they overtook the, the big boat. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Isn't the big boat like a big sailboat? Yep. Wow. They are, they are steaming <laughs> along. They are going some. Now, the king was astonished when he saw that they came alone and he asked what had happened to them. And when he learned the wickedness of his daughter, he mm. said, I cannot believe that she has behaved so ill, but the truth will soon come to light. And he bade them both go into a secret chamber and keep themselves hidden from everyone. Soon afterwards, the great ship came sailing in and the godless woman appeared before her Oof. father with a troubled countenance. And her father said, why do you come back alone? Where is your husband? Ah, oh, father, I come home again in great grief. During the voyage, my husband became suddenly ill and died. And if this good skipper had not given me his help, it would have gone badly for me. He was present at his death and can tell you all. The king said to this, I will make the dead alive again. And he opened the chamber and bade the two come out. And when the woman saw her husband, she was thunderstruck and fell on her knees and begged for mercy. The king said, there is no mercy. He was ready to die with you and restored you to life again, but you have murdered him in his sleep and shall receive the reward you deserve. Then she was placed with her accomplice in a ship which had been pierced with holes and sent out to sea where they soon sank amid the waves. The actual end.
Oh, wow, okay. That was pretty epic. Yeah. I mean, whew. Wow. It's a three-parter, a three-part war <laughs> action adventure yeah. romance. That's got everything. There were lots of uh, things which came completely out of left field, which I couldn't have predicted, <laughs> which was great. The punishment at the end, the ship with holes. Yeah. I expect that. That was great. What a waste of a ship. I know. Why can't it just... <laughs> the weird snake thing was a... The whole thing with the snake bringing the leaves, magic leaves... Is that what you expected when you chose the story of the three snake no, leaves? No, I did not expect sna- the three snake leaves. And it's literally three leaves that a snake has brought to heal his friend yeah. and take him home. That's bizarre. <laughs> he brought one extra. I know. Just yeah. in case. Did the Grimms not think about that? or? Well, they just, they're just telling the story that they've heard. So they think three parts, therefore it needs three leaves. Not actually three parts, so two yeah. Wounds. I felt quite superior going, you got that wrong, guys. I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was like an epic three-parter, which I arbitrate. well, I divided into three parts. Yeah. It felt kind of, na- it, it kind of felt like each one came to a happy end. Yeah, And then one. started up again with a new yeah. problem. You know, first he goes to war, which was epic yeah. and unexpected for me. On yeah, the, Like, totally. second sentence, he's off to war <laughs> and he's saving the empire. It happened very quickly. Also, normally you have an emperor of an empire and a king of a kingdom, but this is a king of an empire. Wow. A mighty one at that. (laughs) We don't often get war, I thought. I mean, the only other time we've had war is in the... How how six men got on in the world? Or is that not really war? Yeah, well, exactly. So in that one, it's a soldier's come back from a war. Yeah. In The uh, Girl Without Hands. Girl Without Hands. There's a war The king's off fighting the war, yeah. But it's interesting because these stories are never actually about the war. The war affects the action of the stories. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's something peripheral. Because fairy tales aren't concerned with that or like what happens in these bigger contexts. They're more concerned with like people's relationships sure. and sort of magic and a personal journey. Yes. So war is just a sort Rather of... Rather than the big grand political sort yeah. of thing. Actually, we, had, um, we did have a war in... Well, we had a battle in um, How Six Men Got Into the World at the end. That's what I was thinking of, actually. The yeah, with that... Yeah. Yeah, doesn't he blow like thousands of soldiers into the sky? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's a bit of a boss. So for me, the first thing that stuck out, stuck out for me as a bit odd is... Um, so it's obviously about this, this man's journey from a poor guy to being the first in the kingdom and his, yeah. uh, his very unhappy marriage. Yeah. He did not know what he was letting himself in for no, when he got involved with all. that woman. It's interesting to me because he's the hero and she's always sort of the villain in the story. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning, he... he you know, it's not like he went willingly down into the vault with her. It literally says, like... He couldn't escape his commitment because yeah. there were guards everywhere. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. he was actually trying to break his commitment. Yeah. He was actually like, yeah, I'll promise that. And then he was like, when it came when down it came to, to it, it. yeah. But that sort of doesn't seem a problem. Actually, it's her betrayal later, which is really interesting because the story is kind of, I divide it into three parts, but it feels like a two-parter. Like there's that, he goes through this thing and he marries the woman. Uh-huh. And then that should kind of end. But then you have this weird second bit where she like changes and becomes this sort of, she loses all love for him and she cheats on him. Is that because of the powers of the snake leaves then? Or is that just, she got bored? <laughs> I don't, like, what? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, maybe she was a different person when she came mm. back to life. Yeah, no, you're right. That is fascinating. Like, the idea that he's essentially wants to renege on the promise but can't. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, you're right. Narratively, the way the story's told isn't an issue. 
Yeah. <laughs> Whereas her reneging on it is. Yeah. She, she, You're encouraged to see him as the hero and her as the yeah, villain. And she, yeah, and she betrays it. I mean, she obviously does. But then, you know, it's the justice is, is ultimately given by the ultimate patriarchal figure, the king, yeah. the father. He's like, you've been a bad woman. I'm going to yeah. kill you. Which is fascinating. It's crazy. Because he, he hears what's happened and he takes the side of his son-in-law and not his daughter, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's not like the king, like, no, my daughter's right and I will defend her at mm. all costs. He's like, no, fair is fair. She's the one in the wrong here. I'm going to punish her. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that he would instantly go for the, the man yeah. above his daughter. Yeah. It's, well, I think it actually says, he said, the truth of this will come to light. So there was some right. doubt. Okay. So he waited until she arrived. And had like a sort of reality TV thing. They're like, you wait in the other room and I'll open the door. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Let's make this as dramatic as we can. <laughs> there's a lot of death in this one. Yeah. So there's a big battle. Uh, general's killed. The first in the kingdom takes over. Like loads of other people killed. Like he's got, he's, yeah. At this point, he's got like a very small army. Yeah, there's shot everywhere. Yeah. So making a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's a total mess. Uh, Someone's got to clear that up. And then... She dies instantly. Obviously, if you make a promise that you're going to marry the beautiful princess, you but if she dies, in the next you're buried alive. She's going to be, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. You're yeah. getting buried alive. Yeah. What's that called? That's called um, Chekhov's gun. Right. If a gun is present in a scene, it's got to go off at some point. At some point, yeah. yeah it can't yeah. just be arbitrary. It has to have a purpose. Yeah. So you know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then they, uh, she, with her lover, contrives to kill him. Yeah. Uh, does kill him. Then whip out the old snake leaves. <laughs> the old snake leaves. back to life. He's like, why should keep these? Why come in handy? It's a pretty handy <laughs> thing to have. Uh, and then, obviously, they're both drowned at sea. Which is quite dark. And interestingly, I, I suppose he made the oath, if his wife dies, he will be buried with her. But the second time she dies, presumably he's been released from that oath because she's already died once. Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah, oh yeah. It's like until death do us part. It's like, well, if you've sort of had a heart attack and flatlined for four minutes, does that mean you're no longer married if they bring you back to life? <laughs> Why is that reset? Yeah. Or is it the king that's like freed him from that agreement? I He's don't know, like, I guess so. No, nah, she's she's uh, she's a wrong un. <laughs> she's a wrong un. She's breached the contract. You're no longer like contractually bound by that. Don't worry, I'm putting her in a ship full of holes, mate. <laughs> We're gonna sort this out. <laughs> but she was then Buried with her new lover, I suppose. Well, buried in the watery sense. Yeah, watery grave. <laughs> Infidelity? That is definitely new. Have we not had that? No. We haven't, have we? No. We've had cannibalism. We've had murder. But we've never had infidelity. infidelity. Could you say Robber Bridegroom? Yeah. She's engaged to the guy? Yeah. And he's... So she, he is her fiancé, but he's going off... Doing nefarious things with young women, that's... Yeah, well, he's murdering them. So technically, or he hasn't it... cheated on her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Your Honour. You're right. I never thought of it like that. Go away, you cheeky scamp. On with the wedding. <laughs> I'm wondering if he took two of the snake leaves and put, like, one on her mouth and one on one of her eyes, would she not come back to life? Or would she come back to life but not quite right <laughs> These are the questions we need to be asking. Yeah. We should come back, but she's like only half there. <laughs> well, fortunately, we'll never know the answer to that question. We've got another magical snake. We've had it in the white snake. 
And we've yes. now had it again. With the... Well, it was a snake that knew where to get some magical leaves, at least. That's pretty magical. I mean, it, yeah, it's in the realms of magic. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> the snake leaves. Snakes as healers. This is what's interesting. That's right, yeah. We talked about the symbol of the snake wrapped around the yes. staff, which is like the medical symbol. Yeah. And actually, I recently went to Copenhagen, and there is a statue on top of a building of a, a guy with a snake wrapped around a staff. Huh. And looking it up, he was Hermes. Yes. Okay, yeah. So do you have anything for me on that? Or well, Hermes... Who is it, Hermes? Hermes is a different god. Hermes okay. is... I th- he's one of the Olympians. I think he's a child of Zeus. He's like, everyone likes Hermes. He's a really cool guy. He's, <laughs> Everybody loves Hermes. He's like the god of, he's the god of loads of things, I think. He's a me- well, he's a up. messenger, isn't he? That's why in the UK we have a courier called Hermes. Courier I guess company. so, yeah. yeah. But then there's also Mercury, who was a courier, who went like, ran really fast. <laughs> really fast, so did he have a motorbike or... Yeah, Mercury is the god of shopkeepers, merchants, travellers, and transporters of goods. <laughs> wow, so, I did not know that. And that's where Mercurial... The god of shopkeepers. Well, that's where the, the uh, element Mercury, the metal Mercury, yeah. it's in the word Mercurial means something that's very flitty, reactive, because Mercury is very reactive. Is so that what a Mercurial talent is? Like, uh, Yeah, if someone's Mercurial, it means they're sort of... The, Jump around, they're a bit flitty, like and flighty, effervescent, or whatever. Yeah, or okay. energetic. Yeah, as well. sure. Oh, but Hermes, uh, I know that Hermes was the god of like hermetically sealed stuff. That's why you say hermetically sealed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making that up. He's the god of trade, heraldry, merchants, commerce, roads, sports, travelers, and athletes. Thank you, Wikipedia. Wow. Okay. So he also had a rod with a snake on it. Yes. So do you remember I said the rod of Asclepius? Uh, is the symbol of medical institutions. Yes. Well, (laughs) interestingly, there's this whole world where a lot of uh, medical institutions or or practices or whatever wrongly have as their symbol Hermes rod, which has wings on it. Yes, it does. I remember that. And that is just a mistake. It should be the other one. It should just be a snake wrapped around the stick. If it's got the wings, it's because they've got it confused with Hermes. And I think the one with wings has two snakes and they're supposed to just have one. Is that right? I don't know. I I think that's right, yeah. Probably, yeah. There's a lot of mistakes going on there. (laughs) People don't know what's going on. (laughs) But yeah, so snake is healer. Yeah. Right? It goes all the way back to that. And it seems to have sort of survived into folklore as well. Shall we go into this story a little bit? Shall we see what the Brothers Grimm found out about this story in their research? Oh, yes, please. So, well, they didn't find this out, but it's ATU type 612, the ungrateful wife restored to life. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Ungrateful wife restored to life. So the brothers wrote the three snake leaves based on two stories that they collected. One from Hof am Habichtwald, a village in Lower Hesse. That's definitely how you pronounce it. Yeah. And another story they found from a village near Paderborn. And the two stories they claim differ from each other only in trifling matters. <laughs> so they've got two stories that they've heard about three snake leaves and they've sort of made their version that we've just read. Yeah, hybrid. 
And then the brothers, as they were wont to do, researched it a lot. Mm -hmm. And they found lots of similarities with this story, with stories from the world of fairy tale and myth. Specifically, mm -hmm. they found a connection between the three snake leaves and a Greek story, uh, Norse mythology, Middle Eastern mythology even, mm -hmm. and a connection to Scotland as well. I was hoping it was Wales, but... Uh, <laughs> excellent, okay. But basically, so this story has a lot of ancestors. So, so I'm going to go through them one by one. Yeah, so Greek, are we starting with the Greek? Let's start with Greek. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for this. What's going on there? Notably, the myth of Polydius and Glaucus. Oh, that Polydius, does that ring a bell? Maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm going to quickly tell you what the myth of Polydius and Glaucus is and see if it sounds a little bit familiar. Okay, go for it. So one day, Prince Glaucus... Is he the god of glaucoma? <laughs> probably. Okay. I can neither confirm nor deny, <laughs> but probably. Oh, he, well, he is the son of King Minos. He Ooh. disappears. Glaucus has disappeared. Uh-oh. And Minos hires the seer, Polydius, to go find Private his son. investigator, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and Polydius finds Glaucus dead in a cask of honey in a cellar. Whoa! Do and you're like, what <laughs> happened here? <laughs> well, well, well. This is a case for Polydius. The plot thickens. <laughs> Please don't ask me any questions about this myth too deep. <laughs> King Minos yeah. locks Polydius in the cellar with a sword. He gives him a sword. Wait, wait, wait. He's Polydius is the private investigator. <laughs> yes. Who's the one in the honey? <laughs> <laughs> Did not think I'd hear that question today. <laughs> Glaucus is the one in the honey. And who's the other one? Who's put him His in jail? His daddy is Minos. His daddy, No okay. one's put him in jail. We don't know. Don't worry about that. I thought you locked him in a cup in oh, something. Oh, boy. All right, I'm going to start the story again. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm enjoying it. Okay, listen. Yeah. Pay attention. So... King Minos locks Polydius in a cellar. We don't know why he's in, in the barrel of honey dead, Glaucus. No. But for whatever reason, Minos has locked Polydius in the cellar with a sword and demands that he brings his son Glaucus back to life. A snake appears and Polydius kills it with the sword. Okay. A this second, is ringing a bell. A yes. This is sounding very familiar. Mm. And the second snake mm. uses a herb to bring oh, the first snake back to life. That rings a bell. And Polydius then uses the herb to restore Glaucus back to life. How's the herb administered? Smoked? I told you not to ask me too many questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it. Hey. Hey. Okay. And then, just to finish the story off, Minus refused to let Polydius leave Crete. This is all happening on Crete. Oh, right. Until he taught Glaucus the art of divination. Uh, Polydius taught Glaucus the art of divination, but then at the last second as he was leaving on a ship, he asked Glaucus to spit in his own mouth. <laughs> what? Glaucus spat in Polydius's mouth and Glaucus, I believe Glaucus forgot everything that he'd ever been taught by Polydius. The end. Do not ask me too many questions about but that. I've got so many questions. <laughs> what an insane story. So that's the Greek wow. connection. Okay. Does it seem familiar to the three snake leaves at all? There is definitely a bit that seems very familiar. <laughs> Mainly the snakes. Yeah, and the death, and the being locked in a cellar alive, and yeah. bringing back to life with the snake gift. Yeah, it's just kind of exactly the flipping same. Yes, I agree. At this point, Adam, I would like to squeeze in a few addendums okay. to the podcast. Squeeze away. So, in uh, the white snake, we're keeping it snaky. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, there's a scene in the white snake where. He has to 
I can't remember what it was, but like separate different beans that have been spilled out by the princess. If he wants to marry her, she doesn't want to marry him. She's like strewn some millet seed everywhere. Yeah. And he has to, I don't know, separate it or put it back in the sack. He's, by got, the to, he's got to gather up all the millet seed. Yeah. And in the night, some ants come. And they gather and up all it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Recently, I've been listening to the amazing audiobook Mythos, which is Stephen mm-hmm. Fry's yeah. retelling of the Greek myths. For Fantastic. any of uh, our listeners outside of Britain who don't know who Stephen Fry is, he's basically like a national treasure. Oh, yeah. I mean, they know who they Stephen know Fry is. Come on. And if they don't, they should. They should. I nearly crashed the car <laughs> when <laughs> Excellent. he was reading the story of Cupid and Psyche, Ooh. which is a, an old Greek myth, uh, taken from the book The Golden Ass, which is the sole surviving Roman-era novel and arguably an early form of the fairy tale. Uh, and basically, uh, I'm not going remotely going to tell you the story, but okay. in it, Psyche, who's in a relationship with Cupid or Eros, uh, she's captured by a jealous Aphrodite, Venus, uh, who hates her. And at one point, Aphrodite strews wheat, barley, poppy seed, chickpeas, lentils, beans, all on the floor. <laughs> wow. And she demands Psyche separate them by the morning. In the night, an army of ants come and separate it. Wow, okay. I nearly crashed the car again. When Stephen Fry talked about the story of Hyacinth, because this is where my first addendum is coming in, I said in the episode The Pink that this is the only, these are the only two examples of someone turning into a flower. What are the two examples? The uh, the pink pink itself and um, the myrtle. Oh, the Myrtle, right, yes. yeah, yeah. Classic story. Enjoyed that one. <laughs> I think I technically said of women turning into flowers, so it's probably true. However, at some point in Mythos, Stephen Fry said, this is just one of the many examples of someone turning into a flower in Greek myths. Okay. Uh, the story of Hyacinth. Yeah. Uh, he's a beautiful young boy uh, who Apollo and Zephyrus, the West Wind, are both in love with. Uh, he's one day, Hyacinth's playing discus with Apollo. Zephyrus is really jealous, and he blows the discus so that it hits Hyacinth in the head. It kills Hyacinth. The blood comes out of his head and and a grieving Apollo uh, turns that blood into the flower Hyacinth that we have today. Wow. Likewise, the myth of Narcissus. Oh, yeah. The boy who was so beautiful that he was (laughs) enraptured by his own reflection and he just withered away and died there. And where he died, the Narcissus popped up, otherwise known as the Daffodil. So, the point is, I'd like to apologise for saying that there are no other examples of people being turned into flowers. Yeah, yeah. So, what we found here is that there's a really strong connection so far between uh, Brothers Grimm and fairy tales in general to Greek myths. Now, this begs the question, what's going on? 100%. And this, 100%. What the flip is what going is on? What is going on? That's exactly what I'm thinking. And that question takes us to the heart of a big debate within folklore studies. There's a central debate in that. Basically, so this idea that we've identified some myths in the fairy tales, some Greek sure. myths in connection with fairy tales, as in stories told by the people that the Brothers Grimm have collected, yep. just by average, everyday people. Is this because the stories have filtered down to the common people from the learned classes who perhaps only themselves have ever read the Bible and the classics, has it filtered down to the common people who then take these motifs, narratives, ideas, twist them, change them in a sort of constant cultural flow and exchange of ideas and thoughts and narrative, and then these were refound by the Brothers Grimm, 
and written down? Right. Or is this perhaps a mark of the fairy tale collectors themselves who were trained classicists who were writing and bastardizing and changing these stories by adding, I think, parts of their own to stories that they've collected from the people? In which case we can't necessarily rely on them to be accurate sort of collections of genuine folktales because they've all been shoved into a standard template kind of thing. Well, not, you know. Or, like, they have the, the stamp of the authors on them uh-huh. more than the, the people that told them to the authors. I think I'd be inclined to subscribe more to the first theory. Well, you're in good company because I think the mainstream view is that it's the first theory. Yeah. It's that the ideas have flowed and changed and morphed and been just twisted and changed. And Well, that's the Greek myth done. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that's the Greek connection to the three snake leaves done as well. Wow. Vikings. Hey, hey. Lads, lads, lads. <laughs> Norse mythology. <laughs> so, the connection of the three snake leaves to Norse mythology uh-huh. can be found in the saga of Asmund and Aswit, which is written by the person with possibly the coolest name I've ever heard in my life. Oh, that's a bold claim. Well, Can't wait to hear it. I, I, I'm confident with that claim. When yeah. you're going to hear this, you're going to love this name. You're going to wish you were called this <laughs> okay. by your parents. Okay. So the saga of Asmund and Aswit was written by Saxo Grammaticus. Wow. Saxo Grammaticus. Saxo Grammaticus. <laughs> Imagine introducing yourself at a party. Uh, who was around, he was around from 1160 to 1220. The brothers, so the brothers mentioned this story as being similar to the three snake leaves. Due to part of this saga is Asmund and Aswit make an oath of friendship to each other that they will be buried alive with either one who dies first. Right. Yeah. So very much yeah, connected. 100%. Uh, and the Grimms just say that later he was drawn up by a lucky accident. Some people found him. <laughs> However, well. I went a little bit deeper than the Grimms into this, clearly, because there's right. more to the saga of Asmund and Aswit than that. Yeah. I feel the Brothers Grimm are being slightly disingenuous when they just say he was drawn up by a lucky accident because they omit the fact that once he's been drawn up, the people rescuing him drop him back in again when they see his horrific face. <laughs> wow. Asmund explains to them, he gets out again, and he explains that you'd look bad if you'd been fighting the dead too. And he tells them that his friend Aswit, who he's been buried with, uh, arose as a vampire ate Asmund's horse and attacked Asmund, who was forced to cut off Asvit's head and drive a stake through his heart. What I'm telling you here, Adam, is that I've accidentally stumbled on what is considered the earliest ever vampire legend. Wow. Whoa. He's buried there with his mate and his horse. Yeah. His mate wakes up from the dead as a vampire. Yeah. Kills his horse. Eats his horse. Eats his horse. Then battles Asmund. Asmund chops off his head and drives a stake through his heart. Wow. And then he gets rescued. That's basically how the Vikings do it. That is pretty... That's, that's how they do a buried alive with your friends story. 
And there's a vampire in it. What? And does is that the start of the the sort of state through the heart kind of? Probably. Probably because it's that's really early. That's, that's eleven sixty. I mean, yeah. You're still in you're still in pagan Viking times at that point. So anyway, there you go. <laughs> that's the Vikings. That's insane. <laughs> so basically, it's an oath made by the vo- uh, the Vikings, presumably meaning that making an oath to be buried with someone wasn't that uncommon. Right. Or, or it, it was around somewhere. And in fact, actually, you know what? This made me think of India, where that old practice, uh, I think Sati, Sati, where of widow burning, you know, where you'd be burned right. alive on the pyre with your husband. That's well known. So this is this idea of following your loved one or your partner to the grave yeah. is a part of human civilization and culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a nice thought, isn't it? That's terrifying. I'm just still <laughs> thinking about that. That's horrible. <laughs> Middle Eastern connection to Three Snake Leaves. I don't actually really know. They, the Brothers Grimm just said, there's a Sinbad the Sailor story from 1001 Nights where something similar happens. But they don't okay. give any detail. And there's a, there's a Thousand and One Nights happening in that story, so I, uh, mm. I couldn't find it. Scotland, the Scottish connection. Can't wait for this. It's pretty weak. Oh, no. I think they were grasping at straws. <laughs> I think they just really like Sir Walter Scott. Because uh, in Sir Walter Scott's novel, The Pirate, uh, at some point, some Scottish people are on a ship. So at some point, uh, the character wants to rescue someone who's been drowned and bring him back to life. Mm. And someone else on the ship says, are you mad? You that have lived so long in Zetland to risk the saving of a drowning man... What ye not, if ye bring him to life again, he will be sure to do you some capital injury. Oh, well, I, don't, I, I what? think they're grasping at straws there. It's <laughs> yeah. saying, don't rescue him, because if you bring him back to life, he'll harm you, which is what happens in the Three Snake Leaves. He brings right. him back to life. Yeah, 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 got you. Him. Basically, you know, death is natural and should happen. And if you cheat death... If you, you mess with the system... If you mess with the system, it's all going to get broke. Yeah. So don't... Leave him dead. Leave the, let the dead lie. Yeah, leave the saying. Leave the leaf. Leave. <laughs> Let sleeping dogs die. Die. We've been, a, we've been away for a little while. We have, haven't we? So that's quite a lot to jump back into. Yeah, we went in, like, <laughs> we went in hard. <laughs> went into the deep end. Yeah, we, yeah, we apologise for our brief hiatus. Yes, sorry about that, but we are back. In business. Back in business, back in town. So, welcome back. Breathe again, it's okay. We're it's here. okay, we're here. <laughs> don't worry. It's all going to be okay. And I don't know about you guys, but that is the snake story I wanted not like the white snake. Was it everything you hoped the white snake would be then? And more. Oof. It was pretty epic, wasn't it? I like that story. I mean, are we going to rate it? Let's do it. What, uh, what are you thinking? I'm still thinking. I'm thinking. It's tricky because it's a, it's a big action adventure, which I like yeah. in a fairy tale. But it's, I haven't got much to compare that to because it's, it's got some new stuff in it. Yeah. Guy saving an empire, then there's a betrayal after a resurrection. It's all it's all new and strange, and uh, it is. And I feel like it's it's epic in scale, but quite fast paced. 
but it's got a nice three-act structure, which you mm. sort of highlighted to me. I like the themes. It's quite exciting. So I'm going to give this 7.5. <laughs> Is that too high, too low? What say you? Well, I normally don't ever consider the score before we do this. But this one I actually thought about a bit. Okay. Yeah, I've got written in front of me 7.5. No way. Yeah, it, that feels about right. Yeah, I think that's about right. It's, it's high, but it's not in the top tier. Yes, agreed. 7.5. Uh, 7.5 so all round. That's a cool 15. That is a very cool looking 15. Hello. Cool. Wow. Loved it. That was a great start back after a little break. I enjoyed that. It's a good way to come back in. And you mentioned you've been to Copenhagen. I did. Did you see the little mermaid statue? Saw the little mermaid. Looking good. Sat on the rock. So surrounded by tourists. <laughs> Probably a bit sick of it. <laughs> but so, Little Mermaid statue. Famous statue in Copenhagen. Uh, it's a depiction of Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid. The famous Danish mm. man. I'm not the fact guy. Matt is. But Dane. That's the word. He's a Dane. <laughs> Danish man. Yeah, he wrote The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. Uh, I think he was inspired by the Brothers Grimm. Yeah, I don't know the, the time period, but it's post a little bit after, post yeah, okay. Victorian times. And I think the statue's been there since sort of 1912, I think. Really? Yeah, so it's been there a while. Wow. It's quite, is it quite small? In my head, it's quite... Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's okay. pretty small. It's sort of like, I imagine the Statue of Liberty, you see it in person, and you're like, that's quite small. It's the same thing. <laughs> Except this is really small. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Bit of fun, fairy tale fun. <laughs> For you there. <laughs> and, well, next time on Grim Reading... We've got the singing bones. And let me tell you, it's quite, it's quite a ride. That oh, one. I can't wait for it. Cannot cool. wait for that one. All right, well, it's very nice to be back. It is. And just so we've kind of maybe got some ideas for the future going forward with the podcast. Yeah. So there might be something changing or new things happening. And we're still really, really keen to get more uh, like user engagement. Oh, yeah, please. Any comments questions, suggestions, anything. Get in touch. And also what you think of the stories. Yeah. Uh, But there's no pressure if you just want to hear. But we've had loads and loads of lovely comments and recommendations and um, nice reviews uh, on iTunes and elsewhere. Exactly. And it's so greatly appreciated. It really is. Thank you so much. It means a lot to both of us. So thank you for everyone who's done that and continues to do that. That is awesome. Right. Well, um, I have to say the fire is feeling very appropriate at this time of the year. (sighs) Very autumnal, yeah. Need that fire going. Catch you next time. See you next time. See you later. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.